Lipkin. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and this is a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. Hey, it's great to have you back again today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Unshaken Podcast on your favorite podcast directory and join our Facebook page, Unshaken Podcast. And as always, don't forget, you can email me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com. You can find that email address in our show notes for today's episode. Now we're almost done with this season. We have just today's episode and one more episode coming up next week. I'm really glad that we took some time to talk about these different relationships in our lives. Hey, it's so good to think about them because sometimes we just exit relationships, right? That are hard or difficult. And I think we've talked about a lot of those this season and I'm glad that you've joined us. Our next season is gonna include some pre-recorded talks also. But we're also going to take some time to focus on something that I would call spiritual disciplines. We are going to have some interviews with women, um, and we're going to talk about these spiritual disciplines. And these are things like Bible reading, and how do you actually do that in a busy, busy life? We're going to talk about prayer. How and when should we be praying, and how does that look like for just an average woman in her busy world? We're going to talk about the importance of scripture memory and how we can do that and maybe even how you can find a friend to work with you on it. We're also going to spend some time talking about the importance of fellowship with other Christians and being actively involved in your church, your local church. And I'm really excited about these, so stay tuned for next season. We'll give you more information on next week's podcast about when to be looking for those episodes to drop. Well, I'm super excited about the podcast today that I'm going to share with you because, okay, really, I need this talk. See, I have six kids, and all of them have had different moments in their life where they've had different issues in their friendships. And sometimes as a parent, it is super easy to just check out of helping them and expect them to figure it all out. Now, I'm not saying that I'm going to go with them on a play date, right, or I'm going to hang out with them after school by their locker while they're talking to their friends. But as a parent, we have to help our kids figure out how to navigate through these friendships. So today we're gonna listen to a pre-recorded talk that was given in the 2017 Regarding Him Women's Conference by Adrienne McClavick. And she's gonna share some of her great wisdom on how you and I can help our kids navigate friendships. Now, maybe you're listening and you're not a mom, so don't turn off, hold on, because the principles that she shares are good for us in our friendships too. And maybe you're an aunt or maybe you're a grandma and you have an opportunity to speak to a young person who's going through friendship issues. Um, And it's important for us to know how to help them. I remember being a high schooler and I had this wonderful older lady that I talked to a lot. And I remember how valuable her friendships were because they helped me um, really overcome some friendship issues And I know my mom supported her comments. She was telling me the same things my mom was telling me. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're the person who's in someone's life and it's not your daughter that you're talking to. Or maybe you're a young woman and your kids are little and you're thinking, we just have to deal with sharing toys right now. Well, listen, because there's good things in what Adrienne has to say that may help you down the road. And lastly, maybe you are a young woman and you are listening and you have been the kid in these friendships, right? You've been the one in these friendships and you have to navigate through them and there's just good wisdom for you too. So stay tuned as we listen to Adrienne McClavick as she teaches us how you and I can help kids navigate their friendships. 
and it's shiny because friendships are exciting. <laughs> now, if this were a food pyramid, what we would have at the top would be things that we have to have in very small amounts, like pork rinds or vinegar, chunky monkey ice cream. But that's not the case here. In, in the friendship pyramid, what we have at the very top is the very most important thing. And those of you who like to fill out things when you listen to talk, you're going to be really happy because we're going to fill in this friendship pyramid here today. So at the very top of the friendship pyramid is the most important thing, and I would like you to write on pyramids on your paper. Do you have that in there? <laughs> friendship with Jesus. So I really considered how I might be able to talk about this today without sounding trite, because I know that your son cannot call up God and invite him to come over to hang out. And I know that if your daughter doesn't have anyone to eat lunch with in cafeteria, telling her you have a friend in Jesus is not altogether helpful. But the truth of the matter is that the unconditional love and the acceptance and the companionship that we all seek really is found most perfectly in Jesus. As Wendy mentioned, the idea that the God of the universe would even want to be friends with us is really pretty astonishing. And the verse I've chosen for this brick in the pyramid is my very favorite psalm in the whole Bible, Psalm 139. And it starts by saying, You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You know my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. <clears throat> and it goes on to say that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Isn't this magnificent? <laughs> the idea that Jesus not only died to pay the price for my sin, but that he knows me that intimately, that completely, is truly remarkable. Memorize that psalm with your kids, or at the very least, read it to them regularly. Teach your child that the Lord knows her thoughts and her feelings, and he knows her words before she speaks them. He knows who she'll be one day when she grows up. The fact is that you can't, you can't force your children to love the Lord. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. But as parents, we must do everything within our power to teach our kids about the Lord and model our faith in front of them and pray for their own faith to grow. Make the Lord a priority in your home. Just like Facebook and Twitter posts are no substitute for actual friendships, a quick prayer at dinner time or before bed is really not going to build a true relationship with Christ. Read your kids the Bible. Let them see you reading it for yourself. Memorize scripture together. When you need help, pray together. When, you, when you're rejoicing about something, pray together. When you sin, confess it together. Talk about family decisions, big and small, in light of what scripture has to say about them. Let them see you talking about Christ and your faith in front of other people. Bring them to a Bible-honoring church and get involved there. Get involved with the people. Sink down roots. You do these things, and a friendship with God will seem as natural as breathing to your kids. And a friendship with the Lord really should be the number one thing that we desire as parents, the number one. So the top layer of our friendship, uh, of our pyramid, is friendship with, with Jesus. The second layer, let's look at it, think of it as a layer here, 
is friendships within the family. So I'm not going to be talking about extended family at this point because that could be a whole talk on its own. I think it is actually. One of the breakout sessions is about in-laws and that sort of thing. So I'm going to be talking though about family members that live in your household. And there are two blocks in this layer, obviously. The first block that I'm going to be talking about is friendship with siblings. Now, I know that not everybody has more than one child, and I just want to talk to those of you for a minute, though, who do have more than one child, so that there are some <coughs> sibling interactions in your home. Friendships start with siblings. They start within the home. And the interesting thing is the culture that we live in right now is everything in the culture portrays siblings as antagonists, as pests. Berenstein Bears, those books, you know, the, the kids, they hate each other. They, at movies, you know, the, the siblings are at war with each other all the time. Little kids, big kids, they're at war with each other. If you check out um, books in the library or something about, you know, this family's having a new baby, the new baby books, every single one, the older sibling just doesn't want the new sibling to come. You know, they're going to be displaced. And it's, that's just the message. I actually read a book couple years ago and the, the it was mice were the characters and the big sister mouse actually was fantasizing about the baby mouse brother being eaten by a cat mm -hmm. like, so that he would die. Oh, thought, is this the message that we want to but apparently it is. Um, so do you buy in okay the mouse thing's a little extreme but do you buy into this idea of sibling rivalry and <coughs> hatred really as normal, or do you teach your children to protect and honor one another? I'm not saying there's not going to be sibling bickering. We have sibling bickering in my house sometimes, sometimes to the point of discouragement. But do you accept this as normal and right? Do you, what, what do you lay out as your expectation for relationships between siblings in your homes? Do you expect that there will be name calling? Do you expect that there will be fighting, even physical fighting? Do you or do you expect that new babies are to be greatly celebrated? Do you expect that sisters are to be honored and protected and brothers are to be respected? Siblings really are the only people in your life, generally, who will be there for your entire lifespan. From infancy to playing as kids, to going through school, going off to college, establishing careers, raising families, enduring the loss of parents together. Rarely is there a friendship that will travel with your kids that whole way through. Your job is to set forth from the <coughs> earliest ages that you expect them to be friends. You must foster that friendship by not pitting them against each other, or to realize that each one of them is going to have their own strengths and abilities and differences, and give them projects and jobs that they can work on together. Unplug the electronics that keep us separated as islands of entertainment in our own homes and put a board game between them. If they fight, require them to resolve the issue. I know the temptation is just to send them off into different corners of the house, just go to your rooms, but that really is the easy way out. And that doesn't require them to work through anything to the point of forgiveness. Expect that the siblings in your home will love one another. The second brick in this is friendship with you. Right there. 
if friendship with you, that sort of raised the little hairs on the back of your neck. Let me just emphasize that when I say friendship with you, I'm not talking about um, being their buddy when they really need someone to enforce limits or being hip and cool and one of the guys or one of the girls. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if everything has gone as it should, your relationship with your kids as they reach their mid to late teen, teen years should really start transforming into one where you continue to mentor them, but you start really kind of enjoying one another's company and you start relating to them and sharing things with them on a different level. One of my greatest joys in life is my relationship with my adult kids and now with their siblings as well. And I can see my 14-year-old is to the age where this is starting to transform. Our relationship is. A year ago, I could not have imagined it. <laughs> but now, it's happening. And I think, oh, this is great. This is happening again. Um, and the groundwork needs to be laid for this when they are very young. You need to strive to be more than just a drill sergeant in your home. Some days, I know this is hard. When you have found, like I have, blobs of pink toothpaste on a 10-foot ceiling. <laughs> found it. And you go into the bathroom and there's piles of clothes, clean clothes, on the bathroom floor where they just shed them after the shower. Or the school bus is barreling down the street. They're just walking along. They don't wear their shoes. And sometimes it is really hard. And obviously sometimes you need to get them cracking. And you need to... But let's just look at 1 Corinthians 13 for a minute. This is famous for being the love chapter at weddings. But it has so much to say about our relationship with our children as well. 1 Corinthians 13.7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This doesn't sound like a drill sergeant, does it? Sometimes you need to discipline. But keep in mind, 1 Corinthians 13, bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things. Don't tear down your children with your words. Strive to create an atmosphere in your home that is not always filled with tension and where there's laughter and where they know that you will stop what you're doing and give them your full attention when they need to talk. Make your home someplace they want to be. Be their friend. So, those are the first two layers in our pyramid. We've got friendship with Jesus, relationships within the home, but your children need friendships outside of your home, too, and that is where I'm going to be spending the bulk of our time here this morning. Even if you are content that they only have relationships within your home, they won't be. And if they are, there's a problem. I actually have known a couple families in my lifetime that really only valued friendships within their home. And honestly, the children as adults were very emotionally immature. And they didn't know how to, you know, when they, when they were forced to go outside of this fortress that was their home, they really didn't know how to adapt very well. Um, and I don't think we, any of us want that for our kids. So like it or not, peers are going to be one of the biggest influences in our kids' lives. During the baby and toddler years, we have, sometimes it's, a burden, but it's also a joy. We have the ability to almost completely have utter control over every aspect of their lives. You know, what they eat, when they sleep, 
who they interact with. But as we grow out of the baby and toddler years, that changes, and that should change. We can't keep an ironclad fist on our children's decisions and lives and expect that they will grow into independent adults. The job at hand is to influence those decisions while they're in their home as they choose which peers to be friends with and as they decide themselves what kind of friends they're going to be. So the first layer, grab a drink here. The first layer that we're going to talk about is model godly friendships. Your children are watching you. You need to model godly friendships to them. Your speech and actions are a demonstration to your kids of what you consider important in friendships. As you guide them in their friendships, remember Titus 2, 7 through 8, which says, In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Set an example by doing what is good. Is our speech constantly filled with gossip about other people or your opinions about other people? Is that what our children hear when they hear us talk? Or do they hear us speaking to our husbands and to other women in a way that's encouraging and filled with references to our faith? Do, you, do your children see you rejoicing with those who rejoice and mourning with those who mourn? Do you take them with you to weddings when they're invited? Of course, don't take them to weddings. <laughs> do you take them with you to weddings and funerals? Or do you leave them at home with a babysitter? Or when they're old enough, just leave them home by themselves because they'd be bored anyway. Do you take meals to people that you know who have had a baby, who are ill, who are having a hard time? Not just people, you know, not just your close friends, but those in your church or those in the neighborhood, or people that you know through school? Do you bring a plate of cookies to new people in your neighborhood and bring your children along with you to introduce yourselves and welcome them? What is the focus of your own friendships? Are they all about you? Are they all focused on having fun? Who do you talk to when you're in a group setting? Maybe when you're at church, or if you are at a PTA meeting, or a neighborhood picnic? Who do you talk to? Do you just beeline over to your favorite friends so you can have some fun conversation? Or do you seek out women standing on the periphery? Those who are new or maybe who are a little socially awkward or who look a little different from, from you. This would be harder, obviously, not as enjoyable as just beelining it to your friends. But being a godly friend is not just about satisfying your own needs. It's about caring for the needs of other people and serving others. Friendship should build others up and not tear them down. Model this type of friendship for your children. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Okay, the next brick is set expectations early. Decide <clears throat> what standards your family is going to have regarding friendships and communicate that early and communicate that often. Now, of course, things are always in flux as our children grow up and they enter new stages and we need to be flexible because we can't always anticipate everything that's going to happen. But what are the guiding principles 
in your family going to be? For us, the guiding principle is Joshua 24:15. This verse in the Bible comes as Joshua is about to leave lead the Israelites after 40 years into the promised land and he knows that when he goes into the promised land that they're going to be surrounded by people who don't worship the Lord and he challenges the Israelites and he says if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve but for me and my household we will serve the Lord we live in a society that is truly post-Christian it has moved beyond the place where people know about God and either reject him or accept him to the point where people are just not even aware. So as you raise your kids, you can't just go with the flow because that flow is going away from the Lord. You need to fill your home with the expectation that for you and your household, you are going to serve the Lord. Expectations. In our family, we try to be very proactive about what we expect. So we try to anticipate the situations that we'll encounter with our kids' friends so that we aren't just reacting to situations as they come up. And we strive to base these principles on God's word so they don't have this sense that they just have to obey all these random rules that the parents are making up. You know, we, we point to them and show them where it's in God's word. So as an example... We have set forth the expectation that we worship the Lord together as a family on Sunday mornings. So when they're invited by their friends to do a sleepover on Saturday night, we, just, we don't do that because we worship the family together on Sunday mornings. Another example, we have set the expectation for sexual purity in our home. So we do not bring electronic devices with the Internet behind closed doors. Because the average age of looking at pornography today is 10, 10 years old. And so no internet behind closed doors, either alone or with friends. You know, my kids have friends who come over with devices. Sorry, you know, if you're gonna, they have to be in the open areas of the household. Um, and because we have expectations for sexual purity, we've laid forth principles that guide our decisions when our kids reach the age of dating. And we don't start talking about those when they reach the age of dating. We, we set forth those principles when they're young, and we talk about them as they grow. Number three, nix the girl drama. Your sons are going to marry someone some of you know very well what I mean when I say girl drama because it permeates your house like the color of pink when you find out that you're having a girl. And it's very easy as women to get caught up in the girl drama, even as grown women. Who said what about whom? Whose feelings got hurt? How could she have done that? I saw a meme recently on Facebook and it said, I can see that you're upset. Why don't you post more about it on Facebook? That should eliminate any drama. <laughs> so how can we help our daughters negotiate friendships without falling into this emotional trap? Well, first we have to recognize that it is an emotional trap, and it is not a right. We need to let Scripture guide our thoughts and our actions, and nowhere in Scripture do I see God condoning the kind of 
chattiness that many women and girls demonstrate in their friendships. As we teach our children to be a godly friend to others, we can teach them Proverbs 18.24. A man that has friends must show himself to be friendly. Our children must be friendly. This is an important key to having loyal friends and being a loyal friend. They must show themselves friendly. A friend is kind when you're alone with them and when they're around lots of people. A friend doesn't just look for what's best for herself. She's genuinely concerned for others. She shows herself to be friendly. Also, we need to be very careful not to take up our daughter's offenses and become offended ourselves. We need to realize that our understanding of the situation is being filtered through our child. This doesn't mean that your daughter is lying about someone being nasty to her. It just means that there's inevitably a second side of the story which you're not hearing, and we need to keep that in mind. We also need to open our eyes and realize that our daughters can be sinful in this area. I've had conversations with parents where they just couldn't see that their daughter was sinning. They only, they completely excused their kid's behavior by saying that she was influenced by someone else to behave in an inappropriate way. Newsflash, our kids can be mean all by themselves. Our natural state is to be selfish. We need to teach them to be kind. Okay, number four. Don't try to fix everything. Our family's general principle is that our kids need to learn to handle difficult situations and difficult people. So we can't shield them from everything. They need to learn this. We need to give our children the opportunity to let God prove himself to be faithful to them. To experience the truth in Philippians 4.19, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To be honest, this goes against every mothering instinct that I have. I want the road to be smooth and pleasant for my children. Always. I want to rescue them from every trouble they might encounter. But as I reflect on my own experiences, it's precisely through those hard times that my own faith grows and that I learn the most about the character of God. Why should I expect that it would be any different for my own kids? I need to step out of the way and allow God to work in their lives. My daughter, Audrey, who's she's our oldest daughter, um, so she's an adult now, and she had an extremely difficult sixth grade year. We had moved to the opposite side of Sylvania um, right about then, and so she started her junior high experience at a new school, and she knew nobody. There was not a single person she knew in the school. And in my opinion, if girls can get through like sixth and seventh grade, the rest of their life is pretty much great. If you can just survive the sixth grade, yes, this was true for you. This was very true for me, yes. This was very true for Audrey. Um, it's a very hard time. And it was particularly hard for Audrey. She really had no friends that entire year. And 
probably about half of her seventh grade year as well. She did have a group of girls that she ate lunch with, but they were not particularly kind to her. And this was very hard to watch. And I prayed for her to have friends. And God did not answer that prayer in the timing that I would have chosen him to. But I'll tell you this. I look back on that year, and I know that that season of loneliness drew her close to the Lord. And Audrey and I grew very close during that time as well. So while my desire was just to fix the situation, God actually, what happened was that God worked in much bigger ways than I could have even imagined. He taught her that he could meet her needs, that she had a heavenly father who cared about her. Struggles and loneliness are opportunities for your child to learn to trust God. So you don't need to be picking up the phone and calling the school every time your child has a difficult event on the playground. You don't need to be emailing other parents or coaches or teachers every time your child gets slighted. Let your child have the opportunity to suffer a little and to see God meet all their needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Number five, tend the garden. Can I ask a question real quick? Yeah. Okay, so uh, how do you explain to a kid who's going through the loneliness that this is a time for them to like, because they're going to be like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have any friends. Everybody hates me. Yeah. Like, well, how do you explain to them, it'll be okay. God right. still loves you. You know, like, you don't want to do the, have a friend in Jesus. Have a friend in Jesus. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that you you can hurt along with them. As I mean, our hearts break for them. Love them. But in the end, you have to tell them that this is God's. That God... I mean, bring to one Psalm 139 where it's, it's got every day or day for us is written in God's book before one of them came to be. So this is God's plan for them. And look up scriptures that would be encouraging to them. You know, spend this time nurturing relationship between the two of you to fill in some of that emotional gap, you know. But, um, yeah, good question. You're right, because we can't just be glib. They, that won't be helpful to be glib, but... Give them scripture, and scripture is powerful, and just let, you know, give God an opportunity to work. And that's where I think what you said in the beginning is you have to let it in the home from an early age, yeah. start young. But so when you get late. to sixth grade, right. they have that right. heart for God. Right. But if you're in here and you have a teenager and this yeah. hasn't been the case, it's never too late, you know? Um, so tending the garden. So... <clears throat> My, my favorite, I'm not a vegetable gardener, but I have this perennial border that I love. And it's this huge thing all along the back of my um, yard. And it is a lot of work. <laughs> and usually there's a point in the spring where I'm like, is, I just, why do I do this to myself every year? You know, you've got to amend the soil. You've got to, you know, it's, it's the weeding. You know, you don't have to, why does grass not grow in my yard but wants to grow in the flower? I don't know. But... You know, if you want to, you can't just toss seeds out your back door and think that you're going to have a great garden. You have to work. You have to do all those things and weed and water. And similarly, as we help children foster godly friendships, you're going to have to do some work. 
Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This is true in many, many areas, including friendship. You often can't just sit back and wait for things to happen organically. You might need to inconvenience yourself a bit and drive to the opposite end of town to go pick up a friend for your child. Or you might need to cook a little extra food, set a place at the table, invite them to stay for dinner. You might need to hunt down a parent's phone number or address and ring a doorbell and introduce yourself. Sometimes you need to tutor your children in how to, how to cultivate friendships. For some kids, this is not, it doesn't come naturally. And if your son or daughter comes home complaining, no one's nice to me, everyone ignored me, you will need to teach them that it is their responsibility to make friendships. They can't just sit back and expect someone else to do the work. If they complain that no one talked to them, ask, who did you talk to? Many times I have role-played with my children, one in particular, how to have conversation, how to act in new situations. I give them assignments. Okay, it's your job to find out three things about that person over there. And as you're talking to them, don't just be thinking about what the next thing is you're going to ask. Listen. Listen to what they're saying. Sometimes it can be hard to know which friendships to promote. My kids come home and talk about a lot of people. So I look for opportunities to get inside their world. If you have kids in school and you have one hour a week, volunteer to help inside their classroom, if that's available to you at, at your school. I'm always on the lookout to volunteer at my kids' schools, not necessarily in like the school-wide events, like the you know carnivals or whatever. I want to be the parent who goes and takes kids one by one out into the hallway and does the math drills mm-hmm. or does the book in the bag thing. You get to know the kid really You well. get to know very quickly which kids you'd want to promote a friendship with or not. Mm-hmm. Many schools, I know Toledo Public doesn't, but many, Sylvania doesn't. I know many schools will allow parents to go in during lunchtime and have lunch with their kids. That is a great time to go and just, you know, bring your kid a slushie. They're not going to argue if you show up with a, you know, Speedway slushie and sit down and you get to know kids. You get to see kids. If you do have a junior high or high school kid, though, I would recommend giving them a heads up before you do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, They're all And just like it would be easier to find a godly husband at you know, a Bible study or a church event rather than trolling the bars on a Saturday night. There are some more obvious places to cultivate friendships. Like if you were plugged into a church, this is an obvious place to build friendships for your kids. There are youth groups, Sunday schools, church activities. And if you kind of are in the habit of going to church, but going to church, staying for the service, leaving, it's not going to provide many opportunities for your kids to plug in. You really need to be involved in the life of the church for them to have opportunities to build relationships. <clears throat> Outside of church, it does take a little bit more digging. We have our children in public school, and this presents both opportunities and challenges when you compare that to homeschool or Christian school. One of the challenges is that in a school of 700 kids, how do I know which friendships to promote? I have learned to be very purposeful to seek out families that might have similar values um, and sometimes even similar faith as as our own. I started an after-school kids club at our elementary school and there are many families who send their children to me on Friday afternoons during the winter to learn about the Bible. 
And I started this club because I have a burden for these children's souls. Many of them are not churched. But the result of it is I can find out. Some of these kids don't even go to church, but they're, the parents must put a value on the Bible or learning about the Lord if they send their kids to me on Friday afternoons. Um, during the summer, I host a back Bible club at my home for a week during the summer for the neighborhood children. Um, and now a lot of the kids club kids come to the back Bible club. Some, some schools have a moms in prayer group. It used to be called moms in touch. Now it's called moms in prayer where you can get together once a week or once a month to pray for your school with other moms. My junior high school kids, they go to something called FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. You do not have to be an athlete to participate in that, which is good because some of my kids are not at all athletic. And that meets before school once a week for Bible study. And there's ministries, there's ministries like this out there. And if you do a little digging, you may find that there is one available to you and your kids. And if not, consider starting one. There's national organizations like these ones that I just mentioned that make it kind of easy to start something like this. You can start small, but it's a great way to learn um, other families who might share similar values. We work hard and inconvenience ourselves in all sorts of ways for our kids, and helping them cultivate friendships should be one of those. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Okay. Almost done here. Take some risks. Say the word risk in conjunction with parents' children, and some of you might be like breaking out in beads of sweat right now on your forehead. Our mothering instincts tell us to protect, protect. But I would encourage you to take some risks with your kids as they make their friendships. I'm not saying you should tell your kid to go out and join a motorcycle gang. But I am saying that it is good for you to have to trust God with your kids. If you bubble wrap them and have complete control over who they are spending time with at every moment and how they spend that time, you don't really need to trust God, do you? Because there's no risk. Now this might sound contradictory to what I just said about, um, you know, I gave you ideas of how to cultivate friendships with families that have similar values and faith of your own, as your own, but it's really, it's really not. It's not an either or, but it's a both and. As with other things like books, movies, music, you want to walk with your kids through life experiences <coughs> and help them make good choices. You don't want to just dictate all their choices for them. Keep in mind that your children's friends provide wonderful opportunities for witnessing for you and for them. Our kids might be the only Bible those other children ever read. And if, our, if they never interact with non-believers, are they learning to be light and salt in the world? Are they learning to live out their faith in a way that will cause them to be godly adults? It takes faith to let your kids spend time with people you don't know. You need to trust God to do this. And then that builds your own faith and your child's faith. I cling to Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. I need to trust God with my children. I trust him to keep them in the world, but not of the world. I am afraid sometimes. I will admit that to you. I sometimes am afraid. Um, but I know my children are in his hands. My 14-year-old, Isaac, currently has a friend this year, a new friend this year, that makes me nervous. Mm -hmm. I will call him John. 
Um, John, I don't think at this point is going out and drinking and doing risky things, but the adults in his life are not diligent. He is not well supervised. So I've told Isaac, you can be friends with John, but you need to be the leader in that friendship, not a follower. And you need to look for opportunities to live out your faith in front of him. So you invite him to FCA in the mornings. Um, you invite him to dinner, and then you be the one who prays before dinner. So Isaac's done this, and now, praise God, Drew is John is coming <laughs> every week to FCA in the mornings. And he is changing in ways. Ice will come up and go, Mom, you will not believe what John did today. And I'm like, whoa, this is John. And he didn't have a Bible. So we bought him a Bible, and we gave him a Bible. And I think he was a little embarrassed by it. But he said to Isaac, you're so nice. And Isaac and I are praying for him, and I don't think he's ever had anyone pray for him before. My husband and I encourage our children to become friends with a variety of people. Over the years, my kids have been friends with Muslims and Hindus, and they've been friends at church, I mean, at school and in our neighborhood with kids who've never stepped foot in a church, kids who come from wrecked homes. And we talk about the differences in our beliefs and the beliefs of those friends. We talk about it. It's a conversation that we have a lot. And we talk about how they can witness to them. And as a result, my adult children were very comfortable defending and spreading their faith on their college campuses and beyond. And now I see my younger four following that trend. Now, I, I do believe there's an exception to this principle. If your child has proven themselves to be not trustworthy, and if they have made bad choices and have a history of being led into sin by other kids, then I agree you do need to exercise more control over the choice of friends. But barring this, we need to be willing to take some risks with our children and to live out Psalm 56 through 3. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Okay, last point. Pray, pray, pray. Then pray some more. <laughs> Psalm 37 says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. I have found in my life that praying about something brings about more change than all the manipulating, nagging, um, orchestrating, and effort that I am capable of. Pray for your kids. Pray for their friends. Pray specifically. Just one quick example, last example. One of my sons did not have wildly successful friendships in elementary school. He had kids to eat lunch with, but they never seemed to be available when he called them to do something outside of school. No one ever called him to do something outside of school. So the summer before he began junior high, which was last summer, um, I prayed almost every day with Calvin that he would make new friends at this new school. The very first day of junior high, he brings his lunch and sits down across from a kid he didn't know, and as it turns out, this kid comes from a Christian home and they struck up a friendship. God was merciful to quickly answer our prayer, and Calvin's faith was strengthened and he made a new friend. So there you have it, the big shiny friendship pyramid. Um, I hope I've given you some ideas of how you can help your kids navigate their friendships. Trust God. Don't be fearful. 
and commit your child's friendships to the Lord. Okay, that talk was like a sub sandwich that you get at a small sub shop in the middle of a big city. You know, it's all jammed packed with good stuff and like juices are oozing out the side. You know the kind I'm talking about. This talk today was jam packed with great wisdom. It's amazing to me how many things I heard that I can apply today. One of the things that I loved that Adrian encouraged us to do is to be proactive with our kids and teaching them how to navigate through friendships, like talking to them before something happened about principles that are important in our family and that are important from God's word. I also loved how she encouraged us not to always try to fix all the problems in our kids' lives and their friendships, but instead pray and pray boldly and pray often for them. I mean, that's the best thing that we can do. And it's the one thing we can do all the time, right, is pray. I hope that now you are encouraged to work through these with your kids and to pray for them. I am so grateful for Adrian's wisdom that came right from God's word. Hey, our last episode of the season is going to drop next Thursday, so make sure you tune in then. We are going to be hanging out with a good friend of mine and talking about how we can build fun into our friendships, whether we are in person or even maybe farther away. And how you and I can enjoy being friends with women around us and this beautiful gift that God has given us in friendship. I think you're going to really love this podcast coming up. Hey, remember that when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.